Thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. Welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. So excited to be able to have the brilliant and beautiful and wildly talented Allison Gordon. Allison, who are you? Oh, well, thanks so much for having me with you today. And I'm excited to tell you a little bit about my story. I am Allison Parker Gordon, and I currently lead New Talent Strategies for Duke University Health System. So I serve as the Assistant Vice President there. And um, I've spent, you know, all my years in HR, but I'm enjoying serving in this role. I'm also a mom and a wife and a Christian and a leader. And so um, that's a little bit about me. That is excellent. Well, thank you. <clears throat> so New Talent Strategies, haven't really heard it phrased that way. Can you kind of unpack a little bit of the scope? Yeah. So New Talent Strategies is essentially our, our funnel and we'll call it... Um, when we think about like shoots and ladders in the organization, how do we not only bring people in and help them stay with us? So it does include talent acquisition. And then also thinking about how we help people um, stay within the organization, internal mobility, career pathing and succession planning, um, onboarding efforts, retention efforts. And so we're at the early stage of our journey and have a good bit of work to do right now in the talent acquisition space. Um, but as we really scope out what's ahead of us and what our organization needs and ultimately the people of our organization need, we know that we have to think differently about the way we approach talent in the organization so that everyone feels like they are valued and can contribute. Hmm. I heard you say in, a, in another interview that you conducted about not just looking at what our neighbor is doing. And so this is kind of like a off the cusp and, and you know, different role than what you see traditionally in health systems. So mm -hmm. where are you drawing your, your insights and vision from? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think it's very common, especially in healthcare, to just look at what the next person is doing and to just consider um, how do we make things a step better, one clip better. And so really right now, I think it's just about people. How do we think about um, a frictionless process how do we think about people's feelings as we interact with them and what our process communicates to them? And so one of the things that I use almost as a litmus test for things is like, well, would it be good enough for my like mother, sister, brother, best friend? Mm. And so, you know, if you work for an organization, like if I work for Duke and I say Duke is really great, but then when I meet someone and they say, oh, I went to Duke and I'm cringing about that. That's like the opposite of what we want, right? We want people, we want to be able to make those recommendations and to talk about our work um, and our organization freely and without any hesitation or without, um, with, with full confidence that that's going to be a good experience. And so that's kind of the guide. I mean, I do think that there are lots of lessons from organizations that do things well, like Disney World. You know, when you think about an experience, it's not about one aspect of the work. And it's really holistic in the approach of how you think about people really intentionally, the big things and the small things. And so, um, but it's really about people and making sure people feel the way we want them to, feel the way that our values um, commit to. Duke is a massive organization, 
And sometimes really large ships are hard to turn. <laughs> you encountered some opposition in, in shifting the way that the, the business has been operating and, and how have you worked through some of that? I will definitely say large organizations uh, takes a lot more time to realize change. The great thing about Duke and one thing I've consistently found in my three and a half years here has been people are really collaborative and they're really open. So they may not necessarily know how we're going to reach our destination um, or have full confidence, but they're like willing to try. They're willing to trust you enough to take that next step or to give you a little room to try something. And so I think it's some give and take to say, let me show you what I'm capable of. Let me prove to you in some small ways what's possible or what we can do and build some trust so that the next step that you maybe don't believe in as much, you say, I don't know really what you're referring to, but I know you enough to know I can trust you. But I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, it also has to do with time and patience. So when we think about change, and I love to read and study change, but when we really think about change, it's about influencing, it's about messaging, and you have to allow enough time for people to be accepting or open to your idea. And I think so often we, in large organizations, we announce this is happening and it's happening to you and here's when it's coming and haven't allowed enough time for people to join the journey. And so that's one thing we're trying to do differently. And so even as we think about new talent strategies, yeah, there are a ton of, ton of things we could do today, but they would probably fail if we just tried to do them in a vacuum. And so um, taking our time to spend with people, listening, hearing, and making sure that we're adjusting to meet their needs is really important, I think, for any change journey, and especially when it's in a large organization. Got it. Well, thank you for sharing. So I know this isn't uh, been the traditional road for you. Can you tell us a little bit about your own journey to this position? Sure. So um, I've actually worked in healthcare like my whole life. My first real job was at 14. I was working in an OBGYN clinic, like filing papers and putting away lab reports. And I didn't know what half of that stuff was. But what I did experience in that clinic was um, a lot of joy and connection. And you really felt like you were a part of something bigger, you know, building relationships with the patients as you check them in and helping the doctor, you know, deliver messages or get things done if they were stuck at the hospital or stuck in the clinic and, and or finding something important for them. So um, that was really my first foray into healthcare. And so I was fortunate enough to get a job in healthcare after I graduated from college, but I got it in um, like an HR fellowship. They called it an HR residency. And so initially I thought, well, you know, I like people, it's healthcare, they're going to pay for my master's, let's just see how this goes. <laughs> um, and yet here I am. So 15 years later, I'm still in HR and it's been a really great journey. Um, <laughs> I, I started from that kind of like fellowship role and grew into leadership positions, um, have worked, actually I spent a year working in Chicago. I worked in the East Coast of Florida, Central Florida, and um in system settings, in market divisional settings, um, and really just have spent a lot of time understanding the different specialties within HR and how to partner with executives to get culture work done. And so that's where I really feel like my sweet spot is. I understand the business. I understand the, the need to move at the pace of the business and not just use like HR speak to get things done, but really to talk and communicate in a way that our um, stakeholders need us to, to meet them where they are um, and find those sweet spots where we can work on things together. So um, I did spend 
let's see, about 12 or 13 years and mostly in that organization based out of Florida, and then joined Duke in 2017, which has been really incredible. So I joined Duke as a chief HR officer for a community hospital here, and then uh, moved into this assistant vice president role about four months ago. So the, the thing that's kind of cool about this opportunity is I am by no means a recruitment expert. What I bring to the table and what I have to offer is uh, my credibility in the organization, my leadership skills, my um, change management experience, and credibility from being able to deliver. And so uh, I spent about a year in my career recruiting a long time ago and um, have managed recruitment, but haven't been in the business as recently. And so I do think that gives me a unique opportunity to kind of build bridges from what our customers need and our clients are saying to us to what the talent acquisition function is experiencing every day. Because um, it's really easy to become siloed, I think, when you have a center of excellence like that, where you say, well, this is what we do when we do this thing, this one or two things really, really well. But then you sometimes get disconnected from what's happening in the business. And so in this role, I'm able to kind of be that bridge, I think, to um, help bring us closer together. Well, I know from our um, prior engagements and interactions and relationship that you've always, you know, done wonderful at the relationship piece. And so, as you mentioned, <clears throat> I know that, I guess the other thing that I just know from having Duke as a client and, and being able to dive deep into many different uh, pieces of the business that everyone always speaks incredibly highly about you. Oh, and, uh, so, so yeah, I'm excited to see you take over this role and where that's going to um, transition as well. Um, but the the thought that uh, the other thing that was coming to mind was that you know sometimes in in human resources and and talent acquisition in particular, you know, it's like we're always kind of like the people that are serving other individuals to then go off and then you know, be successful and have those accolades. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, versus like maybe like someone that's like in a either sales or marketing, like a growth role where it's like top line growth. And then it's like, oh, they did this, this and the other thing, et cetera. We're kind of like HR is more of that support role, support function. So just kind of curious as to how you've been able to maintain that where you're like in that servant role that's helping other people, like unlocking those doors for other people to be successful. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, again, that common language. So results are usually a common language. Data tends to be a common language. And so you have to kind of lead with those things that create connection. Um, when I think about the example, even, you know, in talent acquisition, sometimes you feel like you're only as good as your last hire, that no matter what you do, it's not enough, because there's always more jobs to fill. And so I think, in general, sometimes what we don't do as well is tracking people's success over time, right? So this person was hired, but what did they do in the organization? What did they contribute over the course of their three or five or 10 years with us? Um, but also thinking about what did we avoid? Was it cost that we avoided? Um, did we save something? Did we improve something? And I think focusing on whatever that is that's shared and measurable. Um, people talk a lot in HR about, you know, wanting to have a seat at the table. And I think that I've seen it happen a lot of different ways. But to me, whether you, if you get that seat, you don't just get it and sit back, right? you're always part of a team and a team is always looking for everybody to contribute. And so 
I think there always has to be an opportunity for you to showcase the value you're adding, whether it's as a thought partner, whether it's with results, whether it's through relationship, whether it's through solving complex problems, but it's not something you really can kind of sit back and be allow yourself to be forgotten. I think you have to really stay close to the work and close to the business and close to the people running the business. Um, so that in time of need and time of partnership, it's an, you're an obvious choice to say, how do we work through this together? Instead of being kind of um, forgotten or pushed to the side because um, you're not constantly there adding value or reminding people of what's possible. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. Allison, this uh, podcast is all about, you know, virtuous business leadership. So where does business and virtue intersect for you? Um, man, so in a lot of ways. And when I think about, you know, my professional journey, I spent a long time in a faith-based organization. And I think that it was a really great experience in helping me understand how business and virtue can come together. Um, it also, in some ways, created some crutches for me because it has a, a framework that's almost baked into your culture that you're not always doing things on purpose. Mm. Um, and so I think that I learned a lot of great things that have been reminders I've kept with me. So we, say we treat people with compassion because Jesus did. And so I think I've carried that with me. Um, you know, thinking about the least of these, because there are least of these that are part of our employee base too. And in my current role or with, with Duke, you know, we're academic research. And so there's not that natural intersection of virtue and business in the culture. And so I think it's taught me a lot about being intentional about how I want to show up, being intentional about what I want to communicate to people what I want them to think about me or, or think when they think of me um, based on my interactions with them. And so um, it's really important to me to show up in the workplace uh, as a reflection of my belief system, as a reflection of my own values and my own virtue. And so, um, you know, no right or wrong, I think, to how that happens for an individual. But for me, I think it's really great when you have to do that on purpose and be intentional about how you spend time with people, through mentorship, um, fixing their problems, listening to problems, um, and raising awareness to, you know, things that become every day, but are still problems that we've just gotten used to. So I think that's where I've tried to use my voice and try to lean into, especially over the last year. Um, how do I use my voice and my leadership to represent the least of these? How do I um, become more courageous to challenge the status quo if it's not always good for the whole. Um, and I, I think a lot about, um, you know, Jesus as a model and how, you know, sometimes he um, led quietly. Sometimes, um, you know, he had everyone's attention, but there were never times where he did not stay true to his purpose on this earth or what he came to do, or who he was. And so I think that's a model for all of us to really think about is, you know, um, not necessarily following the status quo or corporate culture, but really leaning into our, our belief system and our faith to carry us through things that um, are not always the norm.
Well, as I said before, the way that you show up has made an impact on a lot of people in a positive way. So, so yeah, I would definitely give you the thumbs up that it, that it's working and resonating with, with your peers and colleagues. And, um, but I think that, you know, in some of the way that you answered that though, and I know you did kind of talk about like taking care of the least of these and being compassionate, but can you maybe even like, like, take us even further by maybe giving a specific example of how like being intentional and being focused uh, uh, like in leading that way and, and maybe like the, the power and impact that it's had in, in another's, you know, one of your clients' lives. Yeah, I think the most obvious example that comes to my mind, um, you know, is from last year. And so I, I think you can tell by looking at me, but you know, I'm a black woman and there have been a lot of things that have come up, I think, um, in our country over the last year and culturally that have been in front of our faces in a new way. And so last summer, um, I was really challenged to think about how do we support people that are hurting? How do we support people that are angry? How do we connect with people that don't understand what's happening? Um, how do we come together? How do we heal? And so um, I think so often people like me have felt like we don't always have permission to take up space or like we're not always wanted. And so what I found myself doing was using my voice, right? So instead of looking to other people for solutions and answers, um, how do you use your voice and say, you know what, I, there's, there, we can't ignore what's happening around us. I think we have this tendency to separate. We say, leave your, leave your uh, personal things at home, right? But we also know that people are whole people. And so um, really being brave enough to say I, to our leadership team, I think that we have to acknowledge what people are feeling and what's happening. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we can fix everything for them, but like that's like the most humane thing we can do is to help people feel seen, help people feel heard, um, and to stand up against injustice. And so using my voice in that space and um, actually partnering with our um, one of our chaplains and we led a peace walk. And it was intended again, just to bring people together and to let people be seen. And so I don't think that's something I would have been brave enough to do two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think again, thinking about how do we stand up for people and how do we stand up for um, equality and justice I think it's it's important for us to recognize, and um, I think I think there are lots of examples, you know, thinking about Samaritans and um, different examples in the Bible where you know there was maybe division of because of who people were, what their background was, and and yet we're also taught, you know, that that we are one in the body of Christ, and so I think that um, there really are opportunities for us to think about how we come together and and how we can can still lead with love and compassion um, and help people feel seen. So that's the thing that probably comes to my mind most easily. Peace walk? What is peace that? walk. That's beautiful. What did that yeah. look like? Um, so we had, we actually invited our hospital. Um, so we have about 2000 employees at that particular hospital and said, you know, we're going to have a peace walk. And um, we weren't sure how many people would come out. And we had these little signs that people could write on and say, I walk for, right? So if you wanted to walk for peace, if you wanted to walk for your family, for your, for your children, um, I have three boys. And so for me, I said, I'm writing for my three sons and my husband. And um, 
we had a prayer, we read a poem, and we just said a few words um, because we just wanted people to know that um, we care and that um, we want to be better as an organization about um, making sure that that people are fe- are seen and that they have space to be themselves and to be their best selves when they come to work. So it was pretty cool. And then they did one for the health system and had like a thousand people come. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, I think you, you can inspire people to change and inspire people to action too, um, you know, with your leadership. And again, it just takes like a little bit of courage because I can't even take credit for the idea. The idea was, um, you know, from our chaplain who is a white female. And so I'm really grateful to her for her partnership. Um, but it was like my voice and my influence and her ideas and partnership and, um, you know, really just allowing space for us to connect with people's hearts. Has that ever been done before at a, at Duke or at a, I've never heard of that. No, it was a a first, a first of its kind. I'm going to go ahead and guess not the last, but the first of its kind. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a testament to what happens when we can, you know, be brave enough to step out on faith and to speak up. Um, Because I think that it, it builds a muscle so that the next time something happens, it can be for a totally different reason. But the next time that you feel like, you know what, this doesn't um, align with my values or the, or what the organization says our values are, you know, how do you use your voice and stand, um, stand up to say, how do we do this better? How can we think about this differently? And I think lead with that courage that is modeled for us um, in the word. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of curious as to how, how does one go about that? So it sounds like what you kind of mentioned, like before there were, you mentioned that you may not have had that courage previously. And so you maybe had the inspiration to say like, we need to do something. But then you were just like, oh, the fear was like, oh, I might be thought differently. I don't know what that's going to look like. And then you don't do it. In this particular instance, you were like, nope, we need to do it. And and you you took that step. So just kind of curious as to like, help me understand like in that journey is for the sake of like other people listening to this, what are some things that like, like what was just going through your mind about like in proposing it and wanting to champion it and to push that forward? So I just had a really heavy burden on my heart like that. Um, just, I just had a heavy burden for people and I was praying um, you know, God, what is my role? What can I do? Um, I think it was just a really emotional time for everybody. And so you feel like, well, you know, people see me in this leadership role in this executive role, and they're probably looking at me like, will you do something? And so I felt like, well, I'm willing, but I don't necessarily know what to do. And so I really, I really feel like it was important to, um, not necessarily rush to, jump into something, but to be prayerful and be thoughtful and to stay open. Because I think all of that was not my design. I think it was what we were led and inspired to do. um, But not because of our own doing. I I really believe that way because it would have been really easy for me to just say like, again, someone else, someone, because I'm always, I feel like I'm always the youngest person in the room, right? So it's like somebody with more tenure, someone with more authority, more power, not the HR person, right? Not the HR people again. So it was like anybody else, you know, with, with, a, with more power, more influence in, um, but sometimes that's just not the way things are planned. And it's like, God said, no, I'm going to use you. You're here and, and I'm going to use you. And so I think it's staying prayerful and I think it's staying open and not ignoring the way that, um, 
you know, the, the, the burdens we have on our heart or just our feelings in response to people. I also think about, um, you know, when I think about the way I lead, sometimes we end up leading in these sticky situations and I really try to lead thinking about people and, and using my heart, right? Because at the end of the day, people are people and we are all children of God. And so my role, while I maybe get a paycheck from an organization, my, my ultimate responsibility is to God. And so how do I make sure that I honor him in my leadership and be patient and be graceful and be understanding? Um, and I think it's the same thing. It's like, it's not always what we want or the it doesn't always happen exactly the way we would prescribe, but I think we have to just stay open and stay connected to, to be led to make the decisions that ultimately will be for God's glory. One of the, you know, I think the thing that just like struck the chord for me was when you said it's like, when we have the vision and when our heart is, we feel the pinch. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is like, go into self-reflection. Is it me? Right. If the answer is yes, then go, you know, like there's right. no, there's no reason to be looking around. Okay. Maybe, or maybe like, no, yeah. I have the, I have the, there has been something implanted within me. Mm-hmm. I have the passion and I have, I can see the way that it can be resolved. I see a solution. So yeah. then it's like, there's the golden opportunity to step there's forward. And then, as you mentioned, you guys run this at that, that community hospital that then gets picked up by the health system and something yeah. larger happens. Right? Exactly. Right. And it's like, it's greater and bigger than and beyond whatever our minds can think, you know, it's so amazing. And I think that, um, that, that, like when I think about me, I think of my gifts are in leadership. I, I really believe that my gifts are in leadership. And so, um, so often I feel like, what, what can I do here? What's my role? And so it's like, and, and I'm always asking, like, where is it that I can best be best served? I talked about leaving an organization after being there a long time. Like that was a little bit heartbreaking for me because I thought that that's where I was going to serve forever you know, in faith-based healthcare, like what a perfect match. <laughs> but yet here I am. And I think that I've had an opportunity to um, not only deepen and grow my own faith, but to continue to serve. And so it's like when those opportunities are, and if you're always asking to be used when the opportunities uh, or the need for you is there, I think that they, they show, the situations will show themselves if you're asking God to do that for you. Um, and so I think that was my big learning from last year is like, if you want to know where I need you, it's right here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, um, we're, we're all called, I think, to serve in different ways in different places. And sometimes, you know, that might be at home or in your own business or working for somebody else, you know, um, or we have different phases of life on that journey as well. Um, and so those are the same things I reflect on, you know, especially being a working mom. You're like, is this where I need to be or should I be with my kids? Like, where's the right place for me to serve? And so I think that um, I just continue to be shown where I can use my gifts and um, where God makes up and fills in the rest where, you know, I'm doubtful. Hmm. It's like redefining what ministry is 
Like you don't Absolutely. you don't have to define you, you don't have to all right well now that I finally am in this nonprofit organization that has this mission based work am I finally going to be able to do ministry where he's like <laughs> oh when did Jesus ever like be like all right let's pull together a board of directors meeting we need to talk we need to plan we need to plan. right 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 <laughs> or to be able to do ministry it's like nope it's just like there's a need there's an issue there's yeah. a people group that need to be loved and just mm-hmm. And go. go. Yeah. 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 I believe that. Mm -hmm. So you also mentioned in a another interview that we can accomplish big goals by admitting that we have uh, some imperfections Mm -hmm. as we're uh, journeying towards that road to perfection. So lead by Mm -hmm. example here, Allison. I'm I'm (laughs) putting you on the spot. So now in this new promotion that you're you're serving in right now. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like what virtues or like what virtue or virtues have you kind of noticed that that you need to grow in as you're mm-hmm. you know, like into this new this new level? Yeah, I think patience for sure. Um, when can you ever have enough patience? But I think patience because the truth is. Because you know, the month old, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. Right. I definitely need patience at home. I think, um, the, there's a, I mean, we have so many opportunities. I think we're, we're full of opportunities. We are rich with opportunities. And so sometimes you feel like, oh, we're sitting on all this potential. Mm. Let's get moving. Sometimes you feel like we have catching up to do because of maybe commitments made to the organization pre me. Um, or where the current level performance is. So I think patience is really important, even to pace myself, because I want to make sure that I'm not giving 100% of myself to work and then my family gets zero or the leftovers. So I think patience is an important part. Patience with myself, patience with others, patience with the process, um, for sure patience. I think, um, I also think about grace. You know, you, you really you don't know what you don't know and people don't know what they don't know. And, and what seems natural and normal to you is the same reason why it's a gift for you, you know? So I think being able to understand, well, there's a reason that you're in that role because you have something to offer. You have the vision to offer. You have the, the commitment, you have the inspiration, you have the organization skills. And so I think grace for people that maybe need more time to catch up grace for people who don't understand and grace for people that aren't the right fit for the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the two that I really think about right now during this time. So the crazy impatient Allison shows up in your mind of like, this needs to be no Allison. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Like, What's the update? What's the update? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what do you do with that? You're like, you know, maybe some people don't have the same skills that you have, like coping skills that you have. So I'm just mm-hmm. kind of what your methods are to, to quiet that inner voice. So I think one thing I'm really trying to build is the art of asking good open-ended questions. Right. So I'm so instead of asking and telling people, it's like, let's discuss. So can you tell me more about this? Can you help me understand more about this? What would be reasonable for me to get an update? You know, and I think we have a tendency to just be like, this is what I need. This is why I just make it happen. And so I think 
slowing down because you really have to slow down to ask open-ended questions and to make sure they're good and they're not like trickery closed-ended questions but really a good like discovery I want to know more and so that is one of the ways that I've really tried to help myself slow down is to say do you know everything you need to know yet or what additional information would help you and then that usually leads me to more discovery um, like I said, I'm not the expert in talent acquisition. So in a way that is also helping me. I don't have all the answers. I literally don't. So I have to depend on my team to help me. Um, so I think the, the dependence on them as well as, you know, slowing down enough to ask questions really helps me understand, like, there's always more to learn. There's always more to know. And if I can just stay open to that, stay open to learning, you know, I think the learning leads us to the doing as we learn, um, it'll, the learning will provide the insight that we need for the journey. And I think that's also interesting for organizations as well. So now I'm not just necessarily speaking to, to an individual. I'm, I'm talking to like people, people groups that are making decisions in hiring. Mm-hmm. But I find that interesting that, instead of just going with the traditional route of, okay, let's hire someone who is a recruiter, then a recruiting manager, then blah, 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 all the way up to, you know, someone leading talent strategies. Duke ended up, you know, your boss ended up going with a different direction of someone that had been previously a chief human resources officer to take on this role. But then with that, because this wasn't like, you, you know, something that you had done your entire career, you're just inherently interested which as leaders, when we walk into environments, if we're just going to basically say like, okay, this is what you got to do. This is how you're going to do it. The team may just be like, Oh, like I, you know, I'm buying into this person, but conversely, like in this particular instance of you just walking in and saying like, I just, I just want to better understand what, Mm -hmm. what we've been doing. Help me just understand that is just in like inherently shows them that a, one, they'll like you more because you're interested and no one wants to work with people that just, yeah. they're just, they're pretend they're, they're not really genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. They're just basically doing specific things in order to get you onto their side with, at the end of the day, they're just going to influence you to change. But when someone's actually like genuinely cares about you and cares about uh, your, your opinion, that's only yeah. going to like want them to, to be able to like, you know, obviously open up and share, but then also mm-hmm. secondly, as you then start to shift and pivot towards, well, what do you think about if we went this way that, that just like, you know, opens their hearts to wanting to change in that way. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Awesome. No, you're welcome. And I agree. I really believe in transparency. I think it's an important part of building trust with people. Um, so that's literally exactly how I do. And it's like, and then what do you think? And then if we have to make a different decision, then we, I always explain why, um, you know, sometimes the decisions aren't ours, but they're usually easier to take when we know the full story and we understand, you know, the why, the why is so important. Mm-hmm. So. Beautiful. Well, <clears throat> Allison, how can people get a hold of you or your organization, the work that you're doing? Yeah. The easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So I do enjoy LinkedIn a good bit. It's Allison Parker Gordon. Um, and I look forward to connecting with people there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and look forward to uh, continuing the the dialogue and journey with you and uh, also sending good thoughts and prayers your way for this new role as well. And also that budding family. Uh, Thank you so much. It's great to talk with you today. Take care. For sure. You too. Bye-bye. 
Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.